Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. The government has announced that public consultation is open on how forests are managed through the National Environmental Standards for Plantation Forestry, or the NESPF, which includes giving local councils more control over where forests are planted, managing the effects of exotic carbon forestry on nature, improving wildfire management in all forests, and they say they will also be addressing the key findings of the Year 1 review of the NESPF, and confirmation that the permanent forest category of the ETS will open on January 2023. Māori and other technical forestry experts will help lead work to ensure the permanent forest category enables permanent native forestry in line with the government's commitment in the Emissions Reduction Plan. Damien O'Connor says, and I quote, This consultation supports the government's aim to balance the type and scale of afforestation happening across New Zealand to get the right tree in the right place. We are addressing concerns about the impacts to the environment and on rural communities from the potential conversion of productive farmland to exotic carbon forests, unquote. Whilst this might be heading in the right direction, does it go far enough? Well, I'll take a further look next week on this. Now, changing tack this week, and with Mental Health Week just passed, I thought it would be best to check in with Marina Shearer from Profile Coaching. Today we're talking about emotional intelligence, also known as EQ. Where do we start on this, Marina? Hi, Angus. Thanks for inviting me back on your show and for the opportunity to talk about EQ. Emotional intelligence, which is abbreviated to EQ, which actually stands for your emotional quotient, has superseded IQ, your intelligence quotient, as a more important measurement of people. Um, Business owners who are recruiting, they're looking for individuals who are able to demonstrate their ability in the emotional field, whether or not they use this language specifically or not. And in our engagements with other people, we all have our radar up and we can all identify the people who either have no EQ or an average EQ or a fabulous EQ. Mm, Okay. So what does this look like in practice? How does someone demonstrate their EQ? There are four areas of EQ that are looked at, and my goal is to help people become competent in all four areas. Because while you can be competent or one t- in one, two, or three areas, it's far better to be able to tick all four boxes. So let me explain the four parts of EQ. Number one, self-awareness. Number two, self-management, or you might call that self-regulation. Number three, other awareness, other people awareness or uh, awareness of other people. And then number four, um, the management or ability to influence other people. Okay. Can you give us a bit more insight into each of these four quadrants or unpack them a bit further for us? Sure. 
let's begin with self-awareness because this is the starting point. You actually have to begin at the beginning with self-awareness. And that's simply all about my self-knowledge. Like, can I identify my emotions? Can I name them accurately from the 2,000 emotions that exist? Can I accurately describe and assess what I'm feeling? Um, The author Brene Brown, who's just recently um, released a book called um, Atlas of the Heart, she says that most people can only name three of their emotions. I'll give you a couple of examples of how um, emotions can be a little bit um, misused. So I've got teenagers myself who are shy and introverted, and often they say that something is embarrassing. Well, 90% of the time, they're not actually talking about embarrassment. They're talking about something being difficult for them. They're saying, hey, something like ringing and making an appointment by phone is difficult, and they're identifying that they feel self-conscious. But embarrassment describes a different kind of scenario. They haven't done anything to embarrass themselves. They're actually feeling self-conscious. I can think of another example. I recently had a meeting that was very difficult and I believed that I handled the situation and the meeting very well Mm. at the time and I'd come through it um, considering the emotional content of the meeting. I thought I'd done really well. Mm. And after the meeting, my body had a reaction that caused me to have to reassess how well I thought I'd just done in the meeting. Mm. While my brain was telling me one story, my body was telling me a completely different story and I needed to listen to my body because it was telling me the truth. Huh, that's interesting. So I'm picking that self-management must have something to do with controlling those things. Would I be right in saying that? A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's not just okay or important to recognize an emotion, but you have to stop yourself from responding inappropriately. Mm. Like maybe you choose to bite your tongue at, at a particular time, or you walk away from something, or you take some other kind of action that's mature and socially acceptable. And mm. then after you've calmed down, you might decide to write a letter or phone someone or meet up face-to-face to discuss the situation. But the key thing that is in, in the heat of the moment, when you know that you're having a reaction to something someone is saying, that you choose to do nothing until you've thought it through. Mm, mm. Our society demands that people behave, have appropriate self-regulation. And given that we are all frustrated by someone and also frustrating to someone, there's a lot of give and take required so that we can tolerate each other. And self-management is my ability to behave in a socially acceptable way. Mm -hmm. So Angus, back to the example I just shared about the difficult meeting, when I was aware that my body wasn't happy and that physiologically I was having a reaction to the challenges of the emotional meeting, I went straight to a mall and I paid for a Chinese massage to help my body to calm down since it was clearly telling me that it was in distress. And this action brought me to a calmer place, helped my body to relax. I was able to think less emotionally after I'd been assisted to relax. And when we listen to our body and we understand what it's saying, we can all make better choices for what's best for us on that particular moment. Hmm. Not everyone's going to choose a massage, but the key is to know what you need to do for you to help you to cope with whatever it is that you're dealing with. So 
Other awareness must be similar to self-awareness, but it's your ability to understand others. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And the key competence here is empathy. Can I identify what other people are going through and experiencing? And can I put myself in their shoes? I'm sure everybody's seen that quote that says something about walking a thousand miles in another person's shoes. Like, we'll never understand another person until we've walked a thousand miles in their shoes. And it's Mm. like, yeah, yeah, I can walk in other people's shoes. We all think, yeah, I tick that box. I tell you what, Angus, in the last 30 years, I haven't met a lot of people who truly can walk in other people's shoes. Mm. They might think they can. They might like the idea of being able to. They might have told themselves that they do, but none of those things equal being competent at empathy. Hmm. I've, I've been in staff training situations where I've proposed a scenario and I'll say to the participants, can anyone come up with a statement of empathy? And I'm regularly disappointed to find that no one in the group has been able to form an effective statement of empathy Most of the time, what I hear is a statement about the policy that an organisation has for that situation, but that does not equal empathy. Yeah, okay. And the last one you mentioned was other management or other influence. Yeah, this is the key. This is the one where the power is. And so, you know, you could be competent in all the three that I've just spoken about, but this is the one you really want because it's your interpersonal effectiveness. And this is the place where the rubber hits the road. You can have self-awareness, you can have self-management, you can have other awareness, but if you stop at that point, you miss the last and most powerful place of influence. And this is it. Can you inspire others? Can you influence their decision-making? Can you manage criticism and conflict? Can you navigate your way through that? Mm. Can you accept praise and feedback? Can you work with others in the team? Can you give feedback both above you and below you? Mm. And can you collaborate with others from all walks of life? See, the ability to influence others through our communication, that's the most powerful part of EQ. So there, that's the summary of the four parts of emotional intelligence. It's fascinating. So are we born with these skills or do we learn them? And what is your view on how we come to a place of competence in EQ? Sadly, no one's born with emotional competence. Hmm. However, if you're lucky enough to have a parent who is competent in EQ, then the way that they do life will rub off on the child if they're able to watch the EQ in action And even more importantly, if the parent explains the situation and the choices that they've made, I think the first place that's necessary to get to is one of understanding that this emotional intelligence piece is important. Mm. It's evident very quickly whether you have it or you don't, and it's on the radar of everyone. It's in our intuition. Um, If you're trying to attract a mate, your EQ is being evaluated by a potential mate. If you're trying to be accepted into a certain university program, your EQ may be tested in interviews. If there's a single Mm. position and two people apply, one has an evident EQ and one doesn't, it's a no-brainer. Your Mm. prior experience may not give you an advantage if your EQ is perceived to be low or missing entirely. So, um, yeah, we all have to go to that place of learning it. Um, If I want to improve my emotional intelligence, how do I go about doing that? I think 
for me and, and what I understand, I believe that the only way to begin on this journey is to first take a test and establish where you're at right now. And there is a specific tool that's available to identify your current level of EQ. It's called the SEEP, the Social Emotional Intelligence Profile. And it measures 26 competencies of EQ within the four quadrants we discussed. Then once you have the results back from your SEEP profile, you'll know where you sit in the four quadrants and what work you need to develop in the areas where your EQ could be improved. Mm. Okay, so who do you think should participate in this kind of self-development? Honestly, everyone, because we are all connected to other people. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm an auntie, I'm a coach. In all of those different realms, I'm connecting with people, I'm behaving and responding appropriately. And it doesn't matter whether I'm an employee or not, I need these skills um, through all my connections in life. And we don't know what we don't know. So mm. profiling helps us to see ourselves as others see us. What about you, Marina? Have you been profiled? Yes, I have. I believe in that saying that says what you can measure, you can manage. So for me to be managing myself, I needed a line in the sand. And that was my steep measurement. I know what my challenges are and I'm a work in progress, just like everyone else. Mm. All humans are challenged in their engagement with other humans and being coached in your emotional intelligence is an excellent place to begin to grow. Mm. It's really interesting. Have you met people who you can tell don't have emotional intelligence? Yeah, of course. And you have as well. We all have. Mm. It's that person who's responding inappropriately in the situation. Mm. Like it could be a grandfather who demands that a three-year-old child come and sit on his knee because he's their grandfather, but the child doesn't know him, has a very limited relationship with him, doesn't feel comfortable with him. And for that child, it's like sitting on Santa's knee at the mall for a Christmas photo. Mm. Or the boss, the boss at work who has no empathy for his employee who's just had a child and needs to be at home for a few days settling um, into a new routine with his family or mm. um, or it's the mother who's struggling to help her teenagers to make better choices for their future and she's going about it the wrong way with fear, judgment and accusation mm. um, or it's a father who doesn't listen to his children because he's unable to d- disconnect his brain from the workplace and, and with the struggles that he's going on. So, yeah, we all see people responding without emotional intelligence and situations and sometimes we go I can't believe that just happened I can't believe that person just did that thing and when you have that thought in that moment you are describing an emotional intelligence situation Mm. at what age should we be teaching emotional intelligence schools because we all develop differently and at different stages don't we yeah That's a really good question. And I think from the day a child is born, we need to be teaching emotional intelligence. The more that we can infuse this into a child's upbringing, the better. Mm. And um, we can do that when we allow children to feel emotions and we help them to name them. Um, I remember, you know, from the Second World War, sometimes you've seen the the trio of women singing, pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. They're singing about stuffing your emotions in a bag and putting a smile on your face. Mm. And 
fortunately, we don't live in that world anymore where you just um, stuff it away. We're actually living in a world where we're saying, hang on a minute, what is this thing that I'm experiencing? Um, what do I call it and what do I do about it? So back to the thought about um, teaching it to children. Let's say that a child doesn't want to share their toys and there's, there's friends coming over to play. And so we say to the child, there's going to be extra children here today. And I know you've got some very special toys that you won't want to come out. So let's have a look through the toy box before they come and decide on all the things that you're happy to share with other children when you're playing together. And, you know, maybe if there's nothing that child wants to share, then maybe you make Play-Doh and do painting because um, you don't want to put them in a precarious situation where they're going to display um, inappropriate emotions. Mm. And sometimes we, you know, as, a, as an adult, we've just got a brand new car and somebody comes over and they're like, oh, can I take your car for a drive? You don't necessarily want to share your car, but we expect our children to share their precious items and then um, shame them for not being willing to be the sharing person. Yeah. I'm also just thinking now about teenagers. You know, when a teenager's been left out of being invited to a party and we go, oh, don't worry, you'll get over it. Um, we've all been through that, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Mm. Um, that doesn't allow them to feel the emotion. And for them, it might be the first time. And, hey, you as a parent might have been left out of parties um, for 20, 30 years and you've got used to it. But try and remember what it was like the first time that you got left out of something. And, and uh, what can I do to help my child um, engage with that emotion, understand it, and then do something about it. And, and, you know, a parent might say, hey, let's do something special on that day where you're not going to that party that's going to be nice for you. Like, you know, would you like mm. to go fishing for the day? Mm. When you come in, but when you become an employee or an employer, though, this is where the skills of EQ really get tested. And I encourage adults to invest in their own self-development and make themselves aware of their EQ strengths and development areas and proactively work on themselves. Sometimes we think that we'll get employed by an organization and then they are responsible for all our development. But actually I think we need to be responsible for our personal and professional development so that we're actually turning up to employers and going, here I am and I'm ready for work. Mm. Working on themselves sounds a bit like working out at the gym. Yeah, it does, eh? Well, we do tend to focus on our fitness quite well as a nation. And um, I think we probably focus on our fitness a little bit more than we do our capabilities. And both are important. I'm not saying um, give up working out at the gym to focus on your emotional intelligence. It's not either or, it's both and. And we need to focus on our whole person, our mental, our physical, our spiritual, and our emotional development, you know. That's, mm. the, that's the whole person um, learning. That's so important. So it's all about developing your emotional intelligence. And anyone interested can contact you, Marina, at info at profilecoaching.co.nz and find out more about seat profiling. Yes, I'm very happy for anybody to contact me, um, even just with questions that they might have or, um, yeah, just for a conversation around uh, professional, personal development. That's all good with me. Thanks uh, again for joining me today, Marina. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Angus. I found that interesting, and I'm sure you all did. 
We all need to take the time and check in on ourselves. There is a lot going on in the rural landscape right now, and there are stresses that come with farming that can be significant. I would encourage anyone wanting to find out more about today's interview to contact Marina, and I would also encourage anyone who might be struggling mentally to also call the Rural Support Trust. They are on the end of the phone, ready to help. Take care out there, everyone. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time.